You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Joel B. New. Joel is a beautiful composer, lyricist, and singer, and I'm thrilled to have him on the podcast. He and I met a decade ago at a temp job, of all places, and then our paths crossed years later, and we've stayed in each other's lives ever since. He also hosts a wonderful podcast called Something New, which you'll hear all about, and I hope you look it up on iTunes. It's great. I admire Joel's drive, and I loved having this conversation with him. I hope you enjoy the 29th episode of The Compass. It's so nice to have you in my apartment. Leah, it's so nice to be in your apartment. Oh, I was going to start the timer so I don't keep you too long. One second. It's so surreal to me that you're sitting in my apartment because you and I met in such a bizarre way and have come back around into each other's lives so many times. It's it's insane. Because we met doing temp work. Data entry temp work when we were both in grad school, right? Yeah, or I just like got now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we became little theater buddies in this. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the company was or what the data was for. I don't remember. I just, it's something to do with TARS. <laughs> it's an acronym for, like, tardy, or, like, reasons that people were, like, absent or late to work. Yes. And you just had to enter why people were late or tardy or whatever. Yeah, something like that, like timesheets or something. Yeah. And it was you and I, and then another actor who just became like a little trio. Yeah, just in the hang out for lunch and (laughs) (laughs) And listen to podcasts while we. uh, Yes, or to audiobooks. Mm -hmm. I started bringing in DVDs of the new adventures of Superman (laughs) (laughs) with Dean King. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) it made my day so much better. Yeah, and then we got caught. And then we got caught. That was my fault. Um. So, and then we we didn't see each other for years and then randomly, I don't know if it was because my friend Polly was at your agency or Lori started helping you with one of your projects as a director. I feel, yeah, it was one of those. I'm not sure which one came first. I think it was Lori. Uh, Yeah. So then she was working with you on developing a piece and it was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I know him. Yeah, it's so weird. It's like, yeah. hello, friend from data entry yeah, and back in the day. That's my college roommate You're, yeah. who's helping you with your piece. It was so great. <laughs> and then our paths have kept overlapping since then. Mm-hmm. I love it. And now you're on my podcast. I'm on your podcast. And you have a podcast, I do have a podcast. called Something New. Something New. Um, I'm in the, my fourth season of that right now. Yeah. insane. Wait till you get to four. <laughs> so you do it by seasons yeah I knew that I didn't I knew that I could have given everything to it instead of you know this is a facet of something else that I do and then this you know supposed to complement you know my work as a composer and, and my whole mission over there mm-hmm. and so I knew that if I didn't give it a start and a stop to then like have a couple of months where I didn't have to think about it that I would quickly be grow to resent it, right? And I just quit it. So like these breaks, like I you know I give myself, I, I go for like nine months and I take three months off. So it feels like school that way, mm-hmm. which is nice. What I usually start with is asking, like, what is the dark side for you as an artist, and what do you do to try to keep from going there? Uh, what is the dark side for me? It's a lot of. Um, comparing myself to others where they're at in their careers as composers and writers and you know, awards that they get that I probably also applied for and have applied for and um, just hearing all of the yeses, the outside yeses that seem to be going other people's way, um, that's 
a big part of the dark side for me is just the it's just the comparing you know? yeah so what do you do when you feel yourself in that that spot? I I kind of let it stick around a little, you know. I don't, you know, I, I don't try to deny that it's there. You know, I think, like, the, the dark side and, like, this part of me that is very flawed is still very much part of me. And so, you know, I'll let it, I'll let it hang out. I won't, like, wade in it like I used to do in, when I was younger. But now it's just like, all right, well, that's a feeling. Um... I'm going to feel that, and then, you know, once I recognize it, it's easier for it to kind of just, like, see itself out. Mm. Um, so, I don't know, the, the way I combat it first is just to, like, recognize it. Like, oh, yeah. hey, I'm, doing, I'm doing that thing. There's that, there's that thing again. Yeah, <laughs> over my shoulder. Yeah, hey. And, you know, and then the other things I do is just, you know, just take stock of, you know, like, redefining, like, what success really is for yourself and you know starting to just not count your blessings but you know count is it's like well no I'm still on this track and still and ask those questions like well am I still happy doing this mm -hmm. do I does like waking up and writing songs still make me happy it totally does so I'm gonna keep doing it until it doesn't make me happy and like that's not the goal <laughs> like the goal is to you know wake up every day and ask that question and you know hope the answer is yes yeah. yeah, I guess, yeah, that is always the eternal battle is like, you have the joy of the creating. Mm -hmm. But then of course, we all want to make our living from it, too. Yeah, absolutely. And so when that isn't happening, or you see it happening for other people, it is hard to not be like, well, I want it all. <laughs> but then you have to I want the joy of creating and make a and living at it. Comes with yeah, it. absolutely. You know, but then we have to remember that like, the, the lens that we're seeing these people's success through, it is filtered. It's, yes. No, and you never know what someone else's experience is. Yeah. Like, they yeah. Could, you know, and I've had very real talks with people where, like, they're struggling or, you know, or, mm -hmm. or someone was like, really, I thought you were really successful. And I'm like, <laughs> like, oh, okay. Right. Maybe your truth is. <laughs> maybe, maybe your perception <laughs> is true. And, and mine's the one that he's adjusting. Um, you know, and, like, we get these, you know, I know stuff because I see it posted on social media or playbill.com or whatever and it's just um sometimes there's literally a filter on instagram showing how well someone's trajectory is going and, mm -hmm. and that's what you want to project into the world because that's what you get back um it takes a long i mean like it takes a long time in your life to i don't know kind of like just notice it all and track it and then go oh so that's so that's what's going on and i may not see the whole picture and you know uh, Honestly, I, I hope they're as happy and doing as well as they appear to be. Um, but I know that when I'm projecting how well I'm doing, like there's there's a whole other untold story. It's not a facade, but it's like, but there's this whole other B-roll <laughs> right. at the same time, you know? Yeah, totally. Can you tell me a little bit about the project you're working on right now that you just did a huge Kickstarter oh for? God. I'm so tired. <laughs> Kickstarter. Are you tired of talking about it? No, 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 no. I mean, like, I'm just getting started to talk about it. Um, but have you ever crowdfunded before? I have. I have not personally. I mean, I've been a part of projects, but I haven't been the one who's been in charge of that part of it. Ooh. Ooh. That is that is a that is a beast. That is yes. A job. Yes. I don't know how I kept my job while doing this while crowdfunding. To be honest. Uh -huh. um, so what I did. I mean, gosh, we're how far back should I go? So I just did a Kickstarter um, for my first album, um, which is going to be six what I call theater pop songs, and they are all inspired by the TV show Murder, She Wrote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for pledging with it all. <laughs> <laughs> I was so glad. I'm so glad you reached out to me because what Joel did was he sent me like a personal email mm -hmm. about the Kickstarter campaign and how important it was to him and asking if I could chip in something and... I mean, honestly, usually I don't just because I don't have a lot of money right now. Like, so yeah. I usually I'm like, you know, everyone's trying to do something, but I'm not the one who can help. Even I love everyone. Yeah. Um, no, but the fact that you and so I tend to just filter those things out on Facebook and sure. I'll be like, I'll come to the show and I'll support that way. But I was so glad you let me know that this is something that really meant a lot to you. And I, you know, I put in 25 bucks, but I was happy to do it. And the fact that you told me that personally made a difference to me if it had been like a group email i don't know if i would have right. i would have been like oh sorry joel yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. but i was happy to do it well thank you 
And I'm so glad so many other people were too. Me too. 165 people. That's amazing. I have so many incentive gifts to give to people. (laughs) 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 um, So, gosh, where did did I take this? Yeah, well, tell a little bit about what... You said it's based on Murder, She Wrote, the songs. it is and it isn't. So, um, I was looking for my next idea for a project to feature and develop on my podcast actually mm-hmm. and um you know i do about 18 episodes per season and like at the midpoint i'll like do something a little weird and um like one year it was i wrote like a radio musical and like Lori directed that and, mm-hmm. um and this year i was like well i wrote this song called cabot cove which is the name of the town that merger was placed in most of the time and uh, at a concert last april and I just had so much fun writing it, and I had so much fun presenting it, and it had such a really positive response. I was like, well, I should do more like that. I should do more things that, you know, that warrant, that, that make me feel that way and make others feel that way, and, like, why the heck are some this? Yeah. Like, why the fuck not? Yeah, <laughs> why the fuck not? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I let people curse on mine, but then I bleep them. Oh, really? Because it's so much fun to, like, listen for the bleeps, <laughs> and then, and then, like, put, put in, like, the sensor I just click explicit on each episode, even if nobody ends up cursing. So I'm like, well, that way the yeah. warning's there, so like, just you know, in case. The moms can't be mad. Yeah, yeah. Plus, it's fun to pretend that it's racier than it is. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. Um. So what was I saying? So you continue. You had the one song. Yeah. So and it, I was like, and it oh, went great. So yeah. I was like, well, why don't I just do more of that? And then I was like, well, I want to get my I want to get my listeners involved. I want it. I don't want to feel like I'm doing this alone, and I need to. And I need confines because I can't just, you know, it's like someone's like write a funny song or write an album or something. Like I need the construct, like even uh, self-imposed, so that even if I'm gonna break the confines that I just right. built for myself, like that I'm helps so much. Really, helps yeah, so much. to have parameters. Yeah, make those rules and then break them. Yeah. Um, it feels so good. And so what I did was, um, so people don't know Murder, Wrote very well. Um, shame on you. And you make me want to go watch it because it's not one that I know very well. Oh, oh, my friend. But you're inspiring me to want to watch it. Thank you. That my work is done. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Frankie's Bye. out of town for three weeks, so maybe I will. Awesome. <laughs> I'll just start from the beginning. I'll save you some episodes that I think are really, really good. Okay. So um, this, this show took place in the 80s and the 90s, 12 seasons. Angela Lansbury plays Jessica Fletcher, who um, just stumbles into knowing how to write really good murder mystery novels, becomes a best-selling author, and then she also helps solve actual mystery murders that are happening around her. And the cops seem to always, you know, they're very against it at the beginning, and then later they're like, can you help us, baby? And she's (laughs) like, okay. Um, So... So through the course of the 12 seasons, her character wrote a total of, I think, 44 books. I'm using air quotes for the books. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the most famous one is, like, her first book, which was called The Corpse Danced at Midnight. Right. Sorry for that car in the background, guys. It's yeah, my ride. <laughs> it's going to be a short episode. <laughs> a really short episode. <laughs> my work is done. Um, so I looked at those, because, of course, you know, Wikipedia has already compiled all those book titles. And I was like... Oh, these could be song titles. Oh, I see. So then I took I took the streets and I had my podcast listeners vote on which ones sounded more like song titles to them. They wanted it. And so I was like a couple of weeks long, maybe even a month, and like the top five that were voted for most, I was like, okay, those will be the song titles. Mm. And um, but the songs could be about whatever I want. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, this song was about episode six. Right. Season three, <laughs> you know, and, and like really meta. Like you really have to know everything about the show because that's, that's crazy. Right. Um, so like anyone younger than me, I say Murder, She Wrote, and I like, they kind of tilt their head and they don't really know what they're talking about. And that's fine. <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully it'll get a whole new fan base because of Cabot Cove. So, um, so there's six songs. So there's Cabot Cove, the title song. Mm-hmm. Um, there's The Corpse Danced at Midnight, which will, of course, be the first track, because it was her first book. 
depth for dir- uh, no, dirge for a dead dachshund. Which I love. intriguing yeah sorry already already intriguing thank you it's so much fun and it's just it's a good time and so you set up the kickstarter to fund the recording and publishing of the album right whole darn thing so i you know it's and it's still very bare bones like people are doing very solid even with this budget you know i mean like Mm. we raised seven thousand dollars that's amazing seven thousand and one (laughs) (laughs) isn't that funny and, um, but even with that, it's still, it's like, I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm like already slightly in the hole. Hopefully we figure it, it out and the math all works out, but. So when are you actually doing the recording? We are going to start recording in mid, mid to late June. And then um, it's called tracking. I learned. Oh. Yeah. We're going to be tracking <laughs> June, early July, hopefully late June. And, um, and then it goes on to my friend MP, who is a mixer and a master artist. So then she'll go in and mix them and, and master them. I have no idea what mastering is. No, but some, so much goes into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, I had a meeting with, like, because I, I hired an orchestrator mm-hmm. to do the whole band. And it's, uh, it's piano, guitars, bass, drums, string quartet. Uh, keyboards. There's going to be electric, uh, uh, like electronic drums as well. Wow. It's, um, it's a lot. And then like background vocals. I'm doing my own background vocals. I'm singing on it, by the way. Are you singing all the songs? I'm singing all the songs. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll so, be exciting. I'm going back to my roots. So yeah. Singer songwriter. Uh, yeah, singer songwriter. Well, we'll see how this feels. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so exciting. But yeah, I know that like that self-producing aspect can be so overwhelming. That's and you mentioned, what's your day job situation right now? You mentioned, like, how, I don't know how I did it all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm of the mind, it's always been very important to me that I know exactly where my paycheck is coming from every time and how much it's going to be. I, I envy those of my fellow artists who jump from job to job and have, like, 10,000, like, 1099s and, right. and do all that stuff. And, like, I just, I have no idea. I don't think, I just don't have the the heart for it, the stomach for it. I knew it was a body part. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I've so I've been in uh, offices. So I've done office administration work. So kind of like nine to five mm-hmm, like a type nine to stuff. Five, um, you know, salary, um, office management, uh, human resources, that kind of stuff. I started as a receptionist uh, two jobs ago, and then I was at that firm for like seven years and worked my way up wow. to office management. Because that's that fine line of like, do they respect what you do outside of the job, or do you have to kind of pretend it doesn't exist because they don't want you to be distracted or right. like? Yeah, but the thing, like, I'm I'm in my thirties, and I, which I say proudly, and I don't pretend that what I'm here on this earth to do doesn't exist, you know. And even when I was interviewing for this last job. You know, I, I put it out there. Like, I, in the first interview, I'm like, look, I'm in New York because I'm a composer. Mm-hmm. That, that is why I'm here, and that's why I'm pursuing every moment that I'm not at this desk. And even, like, at this desk, in my head. <laughs> like, you know, the internet. Yeah, yeah because internet. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's yeah. great, just to be honest about it. Yeah, I mean, otherwise... They're going to they're going to figure it out pretty quickly, yeah. and they're going to feel like they've been had, and you're going to feel resentful toward them for not getting it, but you didn't give it to them to get. Right. So. Just be- and being the composer, I feel like even if you're in rehearsals for something, you can mm-hmm. be a little bit more flexible with when you're there. Yeah, yeah. Make it in sure. evenings it's, and weekends, kind of thing. Yeah, and that's that's worked for me. Like I like my routine. And what's worked for me for the past several years is, like, Saturday is kind of like my big writing day. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like, Monday through Friday, if I know that something is happening on Saturday and it's, like, due Monday, um, you know, I I do a lot of what I call sketching throughout the week. And just, like, different ideas and, like, lyrical, structural ideas. And, like, well, this 
this first verse will be about this and the chorus will be about that and then mm-hmm. they start thinking about other songs that um that exist in the world that i think um are complimentary and you know so just like just kind of like starting to like chew on it because i can't i'm not good at like starting a song and putting it down like it's it's right. almost like a one sitting kind of a thing for better or worse so you kind of brainstorm throughout the week to, to build up to your big work day to do that and i still feel like i'm living the rest of my life through monday through friday but then saturday i kind of hermitize <laughs> Do you, I mean, since I know you're a composer and a lyricist, Mm -hmm. do you usually write by yourself or do you collaborate a lot and just fulfill one of those roles at a time? Um, Yeah, I have collaborators. I work, um, I work a lot with Jay O'Connor Navarro, who's a very talented composer and lyricist as well. And uh, when we pair up, we met through grad school Mm -hmm. and when we pair up, uh, he's music and I'm words. Okay. That's just how it's always been. Um, And we get along great and we have a, project that we've been working on since grad school and called Awakening, uh, based on Kate Chopin's novella. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of years ago, we brought on Jimmy Stafford to take on the book, because uh, Jay and I were sharing book at that point, <laughs> just because out of necessity, really. Right. But then for them, I mean, other than Jay who and, and Jenny, I usually collaborate with directors. That's been my kind of my, my ambition. Like, I've worked with a couple of other book writers or, you know, I've, I've tried different things, but at the end of the day, like, I, I like my words and I like my music and, um, like, I guess I can write, like, and I can write a book. Like, I can, I didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of confidence for a long time. It's still hard for me to say I, I'm a book writer. Like, I can do it. Um, it's hard for me to say that. Well, some musicals don't really have a book either. They're yeah, just, yeah, exactly. you know, like Rent or Hamilton are mm-hmm. mostly all music. Yeah, yeah. Then, like, the book is like the structure. And right, all right. That stuff. Like, so, like, book means something else and, um, for, for them. Yeah. So, we'll see about myself. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up, I was an Air Force kid. Mm-hmm. So, I was born in southern Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> um, I spent most of my childhood in Illinois. Is that near Chicago or? Uh, more St. Louis. More St. Louis. Yeah. Okay. And um, then for, let's see, and then grades seven, isn't that funny? Like you just measure everything by grades. <laughs> grades seven through nine, I, uh, my dad was stationed in Hawaii. Really? Mm-hmm. So, oh, I've always wanted to go there. So I went through puberty in Hawaii. Um, kind of amazing. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. <laughs> Figured out I liked boys. And in Hawaii? In Hawaii. What a place. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. Um, and then came back to the States, and I got I graduated from high school in Nebraska. Okay. And um, came in and out of the closet several times in between. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. And then, um, and then I went and got my first degree at Oklahoma City University. Mm-hmm. I got that musical theater performance. And while I was there, I learned, I heard a slightly louder calling to compose. Had you always played, like, instruments or just been a singer up to then? I took, I started to take piano when I was, like, 12, um, which is kind of late for people who really play piano. Mm-hmm. But um, I took it because um, my sister was taking piano, my younger sister, and I wanted to be as good as her <laughs> or better. Like, <laughs> Sorry, Leah. <laughs> My sister's name is Leah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Competition. Yeah, yeah. I'm very competitive, <laughs> which is part of the dark side. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Um, so I had I picked up piano uh, when I was 12, and yeah, I mean, like I always had an affinity for music theory. Like I liked understanding mm. the rules of how the songs worked and why. Like especially like part writing, like SATB, soprano, alto, center, bass, like learning, oh, you can't move, you know, can't, you can't have parallel, you know, you can't have like two fifths moving together and, and all that nerdy stuff. Mm. And um, it actually wasn't until uh, I was at OCU and for some reason I thought I was getting a BFA and I was getting a BM. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, I didn't, and I didn't realize that until like I was already in school and like happening and I was like, oh. oh. What does that mean? They're like, well, you're going to take a lot of music theory. And I was one of the few 
voice majors that was very excited about that idea. So so it actually worked out worked yeah, out great. Yeah, it worked out fine. And that's when I learned. You know, I took theory in high school and like did some light light choral composing in high school, and then um, it wasn't until college where I felt like I had the space and the permission to give it a try. Mm-hmm. And then did you go to NYU for grad school right after undergrad, or you took a break? Right after-ish. I knew that um, I'm the kind of person that if I didn't go right into grad school, I probably would never go. Mm-hmm. And so I auditioned and went to the applicants weekend, and I guess that makes me a finalist or whatever, and um, I was actually waitlisted, which I don't talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. I, you know, but now I'm trying to own that kind of stuff. I was waitlisted, and so I was like, all right, well, that's a sign from whatever. Um, guess I will be an actor now. And uh-huh. so I landed a summer stock job in California um, at the Great American Melodrama and Vaudeville Company in Oceano, California. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of incredible. It's wonderful. I have uh-huh. so many stories. I, I, I feel like you could set a show there. I really, oh my God, yes, yes. Right. And maybe it's a murder mystery. And maybe, maybe someone gets <laughs> It's all going to tie together. <laughs> yeah, no, it totally does. Um, and so I signed a four-month contract to do that. But were you planning to move to mm-hmm. New York? Eventually. Like Eventually, even if you were pursuing acting? Yeah, like that was kind of, you know, that's, it's the mecca. That's mm-hmm. just kind of where you go. It's, you know, it's kind of where the, where the lemmings go. And um, while I was there, I got the call from NYU. They're like, you know, one of our composer lyricists is going to defer or they're not going to do it or whatever. There's a spot for you if you want it. And I thought about it and called my composition teacher at OCU, and I was like, "They have a spot for me." He's like, "It's like ask for money." <laughs> so I went back because they were—they're they're like, "But there's no scholarship money." Oh no! That's what they said at first. And I so I called back, you know, <laughs> balls of steel, age twenty-two, and was like, "I need a scholarship," and they found one for me. Wow! And then I told my teacher at. Um, at OCU, Dr. Ed Knight, I was like, they found a scholarship. He's like, ask for more. <laughs> yes. So I went back and I asked for more and they found more. Oh my gosh. It was ridiculous. Good for you. Thank you. Well, they don't take a lot of students every year into the the musical theater writing program, right? These days, they take more. Um, but it's still just, how many were there with you? My class, we ended up graduating with a class of 18. Okay. And there were five composer lyricists, so I was one of the five. Now, and then the rest of the classes were either composers or lyricists. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, they entered as one. Gotcha. But then, um, but they've certainly grown since then. I think they have classes like in the high thirties now. Oh. Yeah. It's... I don't know why I was thinking it was smaller. No, they, that's like we had eighteen in my class at Juilliard. Mm-hmm. Um. So I got a scholarship. So you did. I don't, that's you know, amazing. I'm still knee deep in debt. I don't want yeah. to think. I'm just like. Well, living in New York, it's, that's the problem is like those scholarships, even if they take care of most of tuition, it's like, oh, then you're paying living expenses in New York for, was it three year, two year, two year program. program. Yeah. Good times. times. Student loans. (laughs) (laughs) They stick with you. They do. Um, so what does your family make of you being a composer? They're great. Like my family is so supportive. It's ridiculous awesome you know from even because i started performing when i was like 10 like and no one's ever really questioned it as like my vocation because i've just always been very matter of fact about it i've always had a great deal of focus of knowing exactly what i want to do um it's the stubborn taurus (laughs) (laughs) and um which has served me well for the most part yeah um yeah but my family is great i don't think I think the further, more extended family may not fully understand what I'm trying to do, but um, but they see me at Christmas and I'm happy, and so yeah. like, they really can't question. That's all they want. Yeah, we talked a little bit about your podcast, but mm-hmm. what has that done for you? What well, what made you start it first of all? Uh, it's uh, it's several prongs, but um, one of them was to create because I, I realized I was. You know, you don't have a lot of money to produce concerts, and you know, 
concerts and readings until someone else is like helping you foot the bill like that's really all you can afford to do or like these music stand readings and concerts mm -hmm. that you or someone else is producing so then that's happening what like every six months that's what you can afford to do and so then I felt like I was constantly having to remind people like hi I'm Joel I want a job from Larson Award and I write musicals please. I'm still doing it I'm still here and mm. so that's um, that was getting very tiresome, and I was like, I need a more consistent platform to show people that I'm that I'm putting in the hours, that you know I'm showing up every day, and here's what I'm working on, and so it was just a visibility accountability um, partner that I built for myself. So and then, but but I knew that I couldn't just be oh Joel's gonna you know interview random people. Like I knew I needed like put a hat on it. Mm -hmm. And that's when I came up with the idea of, oh, well, I'm going to interview artists that do something else, that like they perform, but they also teach, or they also created this other business, or, you know, something else that, or photography, dialect coaching, right. massage therapy, you know, things like that. And so we can talk about the duality of their career choices and why they never said no to something that they heard they they heard two callings and they said yes hmm. and talk about how those two ideas and career paths complement each other how they challenge each other and um so then they get a platform to talk about this other thing that they're trying to help uh sustain their career and hopefully they'll like get a client out of it or something like that so they're getting they're getting visibility um even audibility i guess and um, and at the end of the, the, end of the episode, I make them sing a new song of mine. Oh, I'm sure they enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really fun. Right, so you get to get your music out there. Yeah, and so then, um, but I keep it very um, light and fun and theatrical. Like, it's all live. Um, I mean, I do edit the shit out of my episodes just to condense and, you know, take out all my boring questions. <laughs> Note to self. <laughs> no, that's basically what I do too. I basically cut out pauses and, um, yeah, like and repetitive stuff. But the, yeah. but the longer I've been doing the podcast, like the less I'm editing. You know, I don't know if that's because I'm a better interviewer than I was, or if it's. I think it's a combination of that, and like, well, the whole conversation was interesting. Like, right. You know, if I cut out too much, I'm kind of cutting out the essence of what happened. And then, with, uh, too, with the song part, like, we do full live takes with, like, a piano, usually, like, a piano live in the room, mm -hmm. and we sing the song from beginning to end, and we do it maybe two or three times, and then we're like, you yeah, the second take felt best, and then we just throw it in there, you know, like theater. Has doing the podcast brought any interesting encounters or opportunities into your life that you weren't expecting? Yeah, um... Well, I've met a lot of really cool people. I've interviewed almost 75 people. Are they all people that you knew, or were they a friend of a friend recommended them? Or Well, it's gotten further and further from my circle as the years have gone by. Like the first was, you know, my friends who lived in Astoria. Right. And then <laughs> it's definitely expanded. And so now I'm, I am meeting people for, like, the first time sometimes, or I've met them, like, once. And, um, so like it's definitely expanding my network and, um, and my, my reach. And so like they're, they're building new fan. I'm, I'm a new fan of them and they're, uh, hopefully they become a fan of mine. So I mean like that's been really nice. Um, there's been a couple of times where, you know, it doesn't happen often, but if I'm in like a theater community setting and, you know, I, there, there was one time where I was, I was like attending a master class and they, we went around the room and I was like, my name is Joel. Um, I have a podcast called something new. And someone was like, Joel be new. <laughs> and, and like moments like that, I know it shouldn't give me the amount of pleasure that it does, but I'm like, Oh, that's why I'm doing this. Like, so like that, that person knows my name, which who, which means he also knows what I'm working on. Mm -hmm. which means that he knows my music he knows where to get my music he knows where to point to when someone says oh I want a new musical theater song it's like that's why I'm doing this that's amazing yeah and I feel like you've, you've found a really positive way to use the podcast medium but also social media to you know promote your own work and provide yourself with a 
an avenue when you're in between larger projects. Yeah. It's really, really amazing. Cause sometimes the social media stuff can be a little overwhelming or you feel like people aren't being genuine, and uh-huh. it's, but I feel like you have found a way to do it in a very heartfelt, honest way. <laughs> I'm relieved because that's the truth. Um, and <laughs> that's how it's being perceived as well. Um, no, cause it's all a good place. It's all coming from a good place. And you know, I, I want to do it for my own selfish purposes and get my work out there, but I also want to make a difference in these artists' lives. And I want to give, um, say another reason I started the podcast, started a backpedal is, um, I remember when I was very young, you know, my teachers would say things like, if you can imagine yourself doing anything else than this thing, just stop, just stop now. And I don't I, like that saying. I don't either. I don't either. One of the reasons I created something new is to give like the 16 year old version of myself who's in Nebraska now or whatever the 2016 version of me is as a teenager. I'm like, you don't have to say no. Like you can like, if you hear, if you feel this impulse, you can follow it. It's okay. And like, that doesn't make this other thing that you've been working on for umpteen years any less valid or important, and um, and that's another reason I'm really proud of, you know, doing the Kickstarter and like going back to singing, and um, and bringing that back into my life. And that's something that the podcast has retaught me too. That I don't have to, I don't have to choose. Right. You don't have to be one thing. Yeah. Do you ever get writer's block? Um. Oof. That's a hard question. Um. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to say it. But I kind of don't. I did for a long time. There was a year, many years ago, where I wrote three songs that whole year. That's all I could do. And um, and then I, I fell in love, and, like the doors opened and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, but I found that just for me, like still just like showing up, like sitting at the desk and being like, all right, here we go. And like giving yourself these little assignments and deadlines and opportunities, um, I don't, like, I'm not sitting there, like, writing page after page after page, but I think I just, I just keep showing up, and that makes it easier for things to flow. Yeah, and kind of not judging it, just like, oh, no, I don't judge it at all. I'm going to make it, and then it, we'll I'm see what it is. Stick it on the wall. Yeah. See, see how it looks. I remember, um, did you watch The Fraggles growing up? Just a little bit. Okay. You're young. <laughs> I, was I also wasn't allowed to watch that much TV. <laughs> oh, okay. No, you're raising one of those yeah. I see. I see. That's why you don't watch more shit. I know. <laughs> like, what is this about? Murder. <laughs> <laughs> Leah Walsh. Murder. <laughs> With those eyes. <laughs> um, I was watching a documentary about Fraggle Rock a couple of years ago, and they were interviewing the songwriters, and one of them was like, he's like, I write five songs a day. He's like, I always have. I write five songs a day. But then he goes... They're not all good, but I write five songs a day, you know? Wow. And I thought about that, and I certainly don't write five songs a day. I write a song probably about every two weeks or something like that, but because of the podcast, like, my, my, the canon of what I've worked on, I mean, there were, I almost had, at one point I had almost 200 songs on SoundCloud. Oh my gosh. And that's, you know, and some of those are repeat songs being performed by other performers, but... Um, I had a producer who was like, he's like, you might want to narrow that down. So, so, like, so people know what to listen to yeah. if they're like trying to exactly. hear your best work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, like, but that's amazing. But what a, um, yeah. Yeah. And they're not all gems. I don't like, I'll, I'll hang out and stand by all of them, but I won't, you know, it's, they're not, I'm, I'm proud of the work that I do because I'm doing work. Yeah. And you keep doing it. That's very inspiring to me. When you feel like you're going to the dark side, is there anything like concrete that you reach for time and time again, like a book or an album or a place you go or something you do? Yes. I wish I had, I I wish I had more, um, resources. Like I always say that I'm like going to go to a museum. Like I had a teacher once who I went to her when I didn't get something I wanted and she was just like, you need to go, go to a museum. She's like, go appreciate an art form that has nothing to do with you. And I was like, that's great advice. Mm -hmm. I have rarely taken that advice, but there you have it. (laughs) Passed on. Passed on. Passed on. Pay it forward. Um, That's something I wish I did more. Let's see. 
I like to set poems to music. That's something I do when I feel stuck or, um, because I do feel stuck. I don't want to sit here and pretend like right. it's all just like oozing out. Um, so that really gives you like a starting point. Mm-hmm. The lyrics are already, yeah, the lyrics are already, there. already done. Someone already wrote them. Um, it's in, you know, I've got like that big seashell anthology of poetry. And Do you have a favorite um, poet? Um, I would have to say uh, Edna St. Vincent Millay, mm. for sure. I've set, I think, at least three of her poems. And um, yeah, I just, it's easy. She's very self-contained. Her poems fit very well into an AABA structure, <laughs> <laughs> which is important to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something I'll definitely I'll pull a poem and like there's no pressure like this isn't gonna go anywhere like it doesn't have to exist beyond right now right it's not like you're trying to write an entire show yeah no I did that once I did a concert of poems that I set to music Mm -hmm. and that was really fun um really just a compilation of like all these moments that I got stuck and um which is kind of fascinating that's kind of a fascinating (laughs) idea for an evening of a show yeah, we'll, we'll, maybe I'll do another one. Yeah. But, um, but that, that's something I do to get through it. Um, I have a great dog. You know, I play with the dog. Um, you know, sometimes I go for walks and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, it's always, I had a teacher once who, um, so many great teachers, um, Sarah Schlesinger um, told me, she was like, she was like, make sure that you get outside and live your life to, um, so you have something to write about. That otherwise, you're gonna be in your room and you're gonna start writing about your toes. <laughs> like the moment you start writing a song about your toes, you need to go outside. <laughs> because that's what she said. <laughs> so, no toe songs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Do you have any recommendations of things you've seen recently or friends' projects that you wanna recommend? Ooh, what have I seen recently? I only just recently saw Fun Home. So good. So good. So darn good. Oh, Jeannie Tassari, what are we going to do with you? I kind of want to see it again. I've been thinking about it a lot recently. I saw it in September. Yeah, Um, I saw it, I think, I saw it in February with uh, my boyfriend. And um, it was like a date. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, if anyone anyone has seen this show or has listened to it, like, it's not a date musical. It's not a, like, <laughs> That's what Frankie got tickets for my birthday. So we saw it on my birthday. <laughs> but I really wanted yeah. to see it. So it was yeah. great. But it, I was definitely like <clears throat> crying in intermission. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, like anyone who like has any it's heavy. unfinished business with their dad. Hand, hand is raised. <laughs> raising our hands. Like there's, there's work to be done. There's work to be done. Um, that's, it's, it's a beautiful piece and so important. And I'm so glad it exists. Um, but yeah, man, at, at the end, you know, we were, <laughs> we were like standing on the corner and it was like both in silence and Frank, who's amazing, he turned and he was like, do you want to go get cupcakes? Uh, like, I do. That's a wonderful solution to that. <laughs> what, um, what does Frank do? Is he uh, in the arts as well? He is. He's not in theater though. He's, uh, he's in visual merchandising. Oh, cool. So like he, um, does lots of things, but include, including like, um, uh, designing windows for Nina Marcus and uh, like he helps run he's a venue backstage venue manager for New York Fashion Week and so like our worlds cool. don't collide but it's creative but it's creative and so like we both have a huge respect for what the other one does but, but neither of us understand it so like he's kind of my museum <laughs> <laughs> um, any other recommendations things to see um just so many talented songwriters um yeah what are some of your favorite because i'm not in the musical theater side of things so i always enjoy it when i see it but i'm not in that world as much Mm -hmm. so what are some of the like places you like to go to see showcases or cabarets or stuff like that man well if i had money i would say 54 below because um it's just it's a cesspool of talent. Uh, it's very beautiful. I've only been it's in there gorgeous. once yeah. for something I had a free ticket to. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's the way to do it. It's, it's a beautiful space, and they welcome really, really great artists, um, and including like up-and-coming artists, people who are going to try things out. Like they, They're not afraid to get messy there. Um, like I like that. I like going to the Metropolitan. 
Metropolitan Room, um, you know, the Lori Beachman, like, Ben Cameron has a thing called Bravi Sessions on Thursday nights, like, super late, so, um, I rarely go because I'm so tired. Yes. But it's a wonderful night. I never regret going to see Broadway sessions. It's so much fun. Um, the duplex, you know, can't, can't underrate the, the duplex. Uh, a great cabaret space. And yeah, there's just like so many gems. This so is great. I want to, I want to go. Yeah. All right. Well, this is mostly it, but I want you to plug your concert that you're doing on Sunday, which I'm so sad I can't make, but please, please tell everybody where to come see you. Yes. So, um, Sunday, April 24th at 6 PM, I'm producing a concert at the Bowery Poetry Club, which is downtown. And, um, it's not just me, but, uh, but I've brought on three singer songwriter friends of mine who've, uh, whom I've interviewed on my podcast before. Mm -hmm. And, uh, their names are... Jennifer Sanchez, who's been on Broadway and tons of things. She's in On Your Feet right now, but she's also an amazing singer-songwriter. And so she's going to be doing a set, and then David Allen Fortin is going to be doing a set, um, who's got two albums. Like his latest album, Lady Monday, came out a couple months ago. It's so good. Um, he can sing whatever he wants. I don't he, he can <laughs> sing whatever he wants. Um, I know he's premiering like two brand new songs that have never been heard before. Oh, cool. Um, really, really talented guy. And then my friend Kate Steinberg, whose performance name is Emily Prime. Um, I just had her first single out, which is called Hunt to Kill. And she's going to be doing a set of, I think, four or five songs. Um, and like her stuff is just so haunting and so, like, these performers are out of this world. And there's a reason that they're singing and songwriting. And I'm so glad to collect them on a stage. Um, it's the first time I'm producing something that, you know, it's not just about what I'm doing. Um, are you singing things from Cavico? Yeah. yeah, and then the last, you know, but of course I make myself last. <laughs> <laughs> That's the glory of producing. <laughs> That's right. You get to decide those exactly. things. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, so I'll be doing a four-song a four song set from the EP um, where I'll be singing and I think playing from the piano. I haven't found a pianist yet. <laughs> and I'm looking at my budget and I'm like, maybe that's for the best. Yeah. Maybe I'll just play piano. Well, I hope people get to go check it out. Me too. Please come. Um, tickets are only $15. Perfect. Um, there's no drink there's minimum. No drink minimum. But they have drinks. But they have drinks. Perfect. It's going to be a 90 minute concert. So we each get, I gave everybody 20 minutes. And um, yeah, it's going to be a rocking good time. All right. Well, thank you so much. Go check out Joel's podcast, Something New on iTunes. And this was such a pleasure. Yay. Joel was kind enough to send me a rough recording of the title song from his upcoming Cabot Cove EP. It's expected to be released in September. He'll be performing this song in concert this coming Sunday, April 24th at 6 p.m. at the Bowery Poetry Club. I hope you guys can go see him. Enjoy the song.
take your spinning class. <laughs> you up an episode of Murder, She Wrote, <laughs> and sit on my ass. <laughs> podcast. I'm Leah Walsh. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller. Music by Brendan Spieth. Audio assistance from Nick Choksi. And a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.